This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Melissa Moretti. And Melissa, today we have a tremendous guest. We have David Bash, president of Astria Properties, which is a tremendous developer. They're mainly on the industrial side of things, but they're building projects everywhere. Down here, Vancouver Island, the BC Interior, they're building projects for themselves. They're building projects for national companies to tenant. They also have the tons of stuff going on. So we're very fortunate to have Dave join us today. Great interview. Great interview. Everyone's going to love it. But also, I'm really curious to find out. I haven't seen you in a few weeks here. I had Adam here with me last week. Mm-hmm. How's the residential market? I know on the commercial side, we're like lights out busy. Mm-hmm. How is the residential market? We're month six of the rate hold. Yep. I mean, we haven't come off our rates yet. We're still sitting at about 7.2's prime, 5% with the BOC. Bond market, I think, is going in the right direction, depending on what day you check it. How is residential? It sort of feels like we went from more of a balanced market to we're now in a little bit more of a seller's market, it feels like. So what are inventories level? That's what I'm really curious. So right now we are what? Mm Mid-February. Inventory tends to start to spike March, April timeframe. A lot of people will actually even take their homes off the market. If they've listed late last year and they didn't sell, they'll take them off in December and then you know, probably come back on March, right? Yep. As of right now, there hasn't been a massive spike in inventory, but you can feel the buyer sentiment has changed a lot, specifically for really high-class properties. A-class properties are selling very fast, multiple offers. Wow. Yeah. Over asking price, I'm assuming then. Um, You know, it depends on how the property is priced. It depends on how competitive it ends up being, but... You know, we're seeing a lot of activity. So here's one thing I'm really curious about. So on the residential side, they introduced this like waiting period. Right. Right. So it's kind of like I write an unconditional offer. I Mm -hmm. get like 72 hours to figure out my stuff. How does that affect a multiple offer situation now? Are people going unconditional knowing they have that sort of that three days grace period? We're not seeing too much of that. I think that was sort of, you know, pre you know, interest rate hikes and things were really crazy. But, um, you know, we're still seeing a lot of subject offers, right? Can you walk me through how that new introduction of that affects the deal? Because obviously in commercial, we don't have it. We're obviously very aware of it. But walk me through. So I'm a buyer. Yeah. So I write this offer on this house. Yeah. I write unconditional. Yeah. So so even if you write unconditional, you have three days, three business days to do your due diligence um, so you tell me, write, write the offer on Thursday morning is what you're telling me. That way I don't have to, I have till Monday <laughs> afternoon to figure it out. You've got a couple extra days. Yeah. And if there's a yeah. holiday in oh, there. Oh, even all, better. All, this, yeah. Okay. So go. write on a Thursday before a long weekend. Yes. Okay. So, but the caveat here is that if you do not remove the subjects or sorry, yeah. actually, because you would, you have no subjects, but if you do not move forward with the deal, yeah. then you pay a fee, a rescission and what, fee. And what is that rescission fee? Is it a percentage of the purchase yeah. price? Yeah. Yeah. So it ends up being, you know, for most transactions that are, let's call it around 
800 or a million, it would be about, you know, $1,200 type of thing, right? So it's not huge, but it it sort of prevents people from, you know, just throwing out a bunch of offers unconditional and going, oh, well, I can just back out, right? Like it protects the seller in a way too, right? So how does it work? So I write an offer with a five business day subject period. Yeah. Do I get five business days plus three business days or is my three business days included in my five? Yeah, it sort of overlaps it. So so what I'll typically do with my buyers is that, you know, even if they were planning on going subject-free, I'll just do a three-day subject period to cover that rescission period Yeah. so that they don't have to pay that amount. So let me get this straight here if I'm reading this correctly. So I write an offer with a like three business day subject or a four business day subject. Yeah. My three-day rescission period falls within that same time period. Yeah. So if I do change my mind, I just don't remove my subjects the following day and I save my rescission fee of 1200 bucks. That's right. I don't know if the government thought that one through too well before introducing it. But I think I think when it is beneficial is is when it's very competitive, right? Yeah. So they introduced it. I mean, it was unfortunately a little bit too late yeah. because by the time that it came into play, things were slowing down. And so I don't think that the benefit of it has really been been uh, shown at this point. But, you know, if it gets crazy again, then it protects buyers, right? And sellers in a way. So. Be interested to see how that plays out, just like the foreign buyers tax for yeah. all the foreign buyers that were correcting our, or ruining our market, yeah. which never you know, materialized. In a way, it just adds a little, you know, it's one more thing I have to explain to people that unfortunately isn't... Public you know. perception when it comes time there to vote go. at the polls. <laughs> There you um, so go. On that note, let's before we before I get a phone call from David Eby and crew to get audited here, let's jump to our interview today with David Bash, president of Astria Properties. All right, let's go. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, we're here today with David Bash, president of Astria Properties. David, how are you doing today? Doing very well yourself. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. For all those listeners who maybe don't know about you just yet, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into, say, commercial real estate. Yeah, so I was actually born and raised in Germany. I made my way over to Canada in 2006 and kind of progressed through high school and university here. And I was super fortunate to start my career with you know one of the, the great developers in Metro Vancouver Bulls of Properties. That was in uh, 2012, 2013. I spent about 10 years with them originally on the development side. And then I moved into acquisitions. And I, uh, you know, towards my my later part of that career, I I knew that I wanted to go off on my own and, and either start something by myself or help somebody grow something. And that's when I met Josh Gallardi, who's the, the founder of Orion Construction and Astria Properties. Yep. And we decided to uh, join forces to uh, really build up Astria Properties as, a, as an industrial developer. Now, tell us more about Astria. So obviously, you guys, I'm excited about you guys because I see the projects that you're working on. But can you maybe tell our listeners more about Astria, the projects that you're working on and you know who Astria Properties is? Yeah, we have a 
pretty specific business model or you know we're, we follow a pretty specific niche in the industrial sector so when Josh started Orion construction nearly uh, a little over five years ago now you know a lot of his clients were building industrial projects of scale over five acres uh, over 10 acres and he simultaneously recognized that there's a need in the market for somebody to go after what we consider now boutique projects so yep. anything under four acres yep. and there really isn't that much development competition in that space. Uh, you do have the owner users who are active, and and you know they're sometimes even the more challenging competitors to go against. But that's been the, the 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 focus for the business model. And then when I came on board, we decided to flush this out a little bit more. And when you look at the Metro Vancouver market, about thirty three percent of all industrial land is less than five acres in size, and that actually includes infrastructure land such as airports and rail, port port infrastructure. So I think if you took those lands out of it, your percentage would be much higher. Yep. So for us, it's a really big addressable market with you know very little development competition. And over the last two years, since we formalized the business in, in May of 2022, it launched it, did all the branding and, and really told the market we're, we're here to grow. We've seen an incredible influx of development opportunities, income opportunities and all that, um, really validating that the business model we're, we're pursuing has some merit to it. Can you maybe talk to us about some past projects? Obviously, like I said, you've got, got some great projects down here. You've got some stuff going up in the BC interior. Can you maybe tell us a little bit more about maybe the projects that you guys have worked on or anything exciting that you have in the pipeline that you can share? Yes. So Josh acquired five projects pre-my time coming to Astria. So before sort of May 22. Uh, two of those have been complete. They're, they're actually built-to-suit projects. Uh, one of them was in... Abbotsford for a company called Advanced Material Handling, about 45,000 square feet on, on a little over an acre and a half. And then the other one we recently completed is uh, for a company called Dr. Ma's Laboratory State. They produce pharmaceuticals for Costco, and they have 35,000 square feet, again, built to suit space in Surrey that we did for them. Wow. Those were really great sort of you know, initial projects to validate, again, that business model. You know, the, as I said, the owner-user community has been really active and is still really active. So that fits well within the sub four acre category. And then we have a project that's completed down on 56 and 200 in the city of Langley. That's a strata project. We completed that at the end of last year. We're um, a little over 50% sold. Really great project, really unique sort of urban industrial. We have a little bit of office on the third floor just to try to really you know create create diverse product. Yep. And then we have a project in Port Coquitlam that we've just that we're just about to launch which will be one part of the property. It was five acres originally. We subdivided it into two, two parcels. One, one property will be a light industrial strata with some office up top. Again, you know the, the suburban office market is still somewhat interesting. And we continue seeing um, investors and owner users asking for more office space than we can actually deliver in an industrial building. Okay. So that's, that's one part of the development. The other part, we are going to council for rezoning to try to do a hybrid light industrial self-storage facility. Uh, again, trying to promote the employment-generating uses on the ground floor and then adding additional density on top to increase really the feasibility of the project on the second, third, fourth floor. So for, for our listeners' standpoint, they're they're probably thinking in their minds like traditional like tilt-up industrial where you've got kind of like Mez office and you got your, you know, maybe your showroom entry and your warehouse with grade level loading at the door. But you mentioned there about like third level office. How is that sort of integrated into your projects? And who are the buyers on the strata side that you're selling the offices to? Obviously, I'm assuming end users, but what type of industries are people looking in for offices in that kind of quasi-industrial space? 
yeah, the so on Link 200, which is our project in in the city of Langley, you know, we're it's a, the total project size is about 55,000, 60,000 feet. And we added 5,000 feet of office on top. So it's nearly 10% and it really helps the projects, project metrics a lot. Yeah. And that. in that particular space, the owner of that office space is actually a real estate related business that fits within the I2 zoning. And so that's typically who we would be trying to target. You know, the, the industrial zones often prohibit general office uses. So you have to be a little bit careful there as to who you're trying to attract. You know, sometimes the, the uses are very specific, but generally it's it's real estate construction related businesses, some engineering stuff. You know, some tech is, is often included in the zonings that we see. But it, it's it's mostly it's mostly owner users, uh, not investors. So if I if I'm an owner user and I do fall within these categories of zoning, what would a price point look like? Maybe in a in an industrial office, and I can tell you in Langley, if you kind of go to the top of 200 there, which seems to be kind of like the epicenter of strata offices right now, like you can be paying north of a thousand dollars a foot, and some shells are even like 950 before you build them out. So how would a if I'm an investor or, or sorry an owner user looking at a project maybe in Langley on 200th or just off 200 and I'm looking at shells at $950 a foot, how would a product like what you guys are bringing to market, how would that compare on a price standpoint? Yeah, I think it's really not that much different. We, you know, we have provided a little bit of a discount because you're not, you know, your traditional office building that has similar provision of amenities. But at the end of the day, you have a, a separate lobby, you have an elevator, and you have premium office spaces with some view components. You know, where we obviously have to provide sufficient parking. Yeah. So we'd be we'd be pricing those pretty competitively to what else we're seeing in the market. Of course, I think something to consider is, is that because it's an industrial lot, it's often not on major arterials. So there's a bit of a price discount just for the for the location not being on call it two hundredth street, although sure. in, in in our project link two hundred on Langley isn't two hundredth. So I think if that office was to sell today, it would sell at a, at a, at a good premium dollar competitive to market. So you, you mentioned about some projects you guys have here in the Lower Mainland. I mean, is there any other markets with NBC that you guys are either you know, actively looking for projects or you're actually building in or potentially building in in the near future? Yeah. So it's sort of to just keep going on, on our portfolio overview. Yeah, please do. When I came on board, we ended up acquiring four new projects over the last year and a half. Our first move was actually to go to Kelowna. We love Kelowna. We love the municipality there. Uh, I'm going to give a huge shout out to uh, planning staff there. They are incredibly great to work with and they know how to move a project through the entitlement process like no other. It's been awesome. So we uh, we acquired two sites down there, about four acres, one two-acre piece we've pre-leased to Canada Post and we're doing a build-to-suit for them there. And the other project is a 55,000 square foot spec strata deal. And then the next property we bought was up in Colwood on Vancouver Island. And we uh, we originally intended to do some light industrial there. It's in, in Royal Bay across from the beachlands that Seacliff and Reliance are building. Yep. But we ended up pivoting to um to do retail there. It's it's you know, it's part of uh, part of some of the uses that we have in the zoning bylaw, and it just felt like a much better retail location. That's one of those projects where we said to ourselves, look, we'll own this for 20 years. Like it's okay to pivot. We'll we'll do this as a you know as a one-off because of course retail isn't our core. Yeah. And then most recently we uh we acquired a site in North Langley on um just close to 200th Street in the Carbolth area. Yep. And there we have two and a half acres, which we are looking to develop into self-storage. Wow. So you you guys are active. Yeah, the uh the self-storage, you know. 
niche is is, is really is really a complementary component to the sub four acre target that we that we're looking for. Yep. We've we've been really successful at finding small sites, and we see a lot of good projects there, and those are typically well suited for self storage. And so, you know, self storage allows us to build pretty big scale on small sites, which is of course good for the Astria business and good for Josh's business, Orion Construction, because those are just much bigger construction jobs. Yeah. And we just love the asset class. Um, if you have patience and you have a sort of a long-term outlook, a favor favorable long-term outlook, self-storage just has has done incredibly well in the past. And it, you know, everybody anticipates it doing equally as well in the future. Yeah. But it's it's very much still the long game. I'd be very curious to get your thoughts on the industrial market as a whole within the the areas that you're operating. Because obviously, industrials had a tremendous run over the better part of almost probably a decade now, I would guess, where there has been obviously, you know, the overall market hasn't been as active in most asset classes, purely based on, you know, interest rates have been high and people have been sort of waiting to see how things play itself out. What are your guys' thoughts, maybe both on short-term and long-term, of just the industrial market as a whole? I mean, you know, we we're obviously optimistic on it because it's the only asset class that we operate in. But it's really important to highlight that, of course, within industrial, there's many subcategories, right? Whether you're doing a built-to-suit, whether you're doing a spec deal, whether it's strata, whether it's lease, whether it's self-storage, you know, there, there's just such an array of different paths we can go go down. But generally speaking, the narrative for us remains the same as most other people have in the market. We have a limited land base out here. The Vancouver port is one of the the biggest ports in North America. We are the the China gateway. We see a lot of imports, exports coming this way. Consequently, we have incredible immigration numbers. Obviously, the residential um, development market has done really well here. And people need a roof over their head. And those materials need to be stored and produced and distributed. You know, there's a lot of manufacturing and production going on here. And we, we really continue seeing that trend follow in the future. You know, the sort of, sort of notion of deglobalization that COVID has caused has been really interesting to observe that, you know, logistics and distribution and manufacturing is, is, is just being done on a bigger scale in North America and to protect against these black swan events. And I think we're seeing it less here in Vancouver, but we're seeing some of it, you know, in the just sort of given an anecdotal experience, like in the last six months to a year. I've seen more manufacturing businesses come our way and say, hey, we need four acres with a 30,000, 40,000 square foot building on it and dirt because we want to keep expanding locally to ship all over the globe. But you know, we're starting to see materials and supplies are much more accessible in, in the Vancouver market than they have before, really because of this deglobalization component. So we're, we're, pretty, we're pretty bullish on the market. Uh, with that being said, you know, I think this, the current times we are in, things are, things are not easy. They haven't been easy for the last two years, and that's why we've we've kind of you know pivoted towards some self storage because it's it's historically a recession resilient business. We focus more on um, built to lease product and more built to suit opportunities. But I think that the tide's turning. We're starting to see some really good activity on some of our strata projects as of the last few weeks. So hoping it's here to stay. Now, obviously, you guys are also on the forefront of the construction side of it, especially with Josh there. You mean, obviously, the construction costs have gone through a dramatic uptick over the past years. What are your guys' thoughts on where, where construction costs are and where do they go? You I mean, you hear people that are banking on them coming down, but I definitely don't think that's probably going to happen anytime soon, if, if at all. What are you guys seeing on the construction front? I think the consensus is maybe flat down a little bit. I was talking to somebody recently who is in the construction business. I'm on the multifamily side, and they've seen about a 5% cost decrease on their, on their recent budget exercises. 
I know after talking to Josh, it seems like that some of the tenders he's run recently are starting to come a little bit cheaper. Uh, I think one big component is just the availability of labor. We're starting to see trades calling us for work. And it makes sense, right? We have like, I don't know, $300 billion worth of infrastructure projects as of December of last year and about $100 billion of that completed in December. So that that trade pool has become available to utilize for other jobs. And I think that's where we're starting to see some of the you know, the, the call volume come in for trades to say, hey, we're looking for work, what projects do we have, how can we help? And it's, you know, I, I think generally speaking, I don't think we're going to see much in, in, in cost depreciation. We just got to avoid it escalating as much as it has and as fast as it has because it's, it's been really challenging on project metrics and feasibility. So obviously, you guys are very active in the market right now. What are your thoughts on where this market goes? Obviously, interest rates have held for, I guess, we're a six consecutive month now. We're still at 5% with the BOC, but obviously, everyone's very optimistic where rates are going. What's your thoughts on the overall real estate market moving forward? I don't think rates will ever be as low as they used to be. And you know, I've, I've been in the business for over a decade now, and this is the first time I'm seeing this, this type of market. And I, I encourage everybody to just use this as a learning opportunity. We've been really careful in our approach. You know, as I said, we've got we're trying to do some self storage. We are doing a build to suit for Canada Pulse. We're doing some retail leasing. So a lot of the product that we are building is still performing well. With that being said, I think you know if you're not in the market, you're out of it, and you got to keep looking and you got to you got to look into new opportunities. We are we are out there looking for more development projects. You know, particularly now where it might take you a year and a half, two years to entitle a project, especially if you have a rezone uh, that you need to do. And we think the market is going to be a lot more healthy in in two years from now than it is today. You know, even today, if you if you buy an income deal and you're you're pricing it or you're getting financing, you know, based on the five year Canada bond plus two hundred basis points, you're looking at a five point six five point seven percent interest rate. Yep, that's not that's not an outrageous interest rate. You know, and as I said, like I don't think the rates will ever be as low as they used to, but we foresee the rates coming off. You know, I think four and a half percent is maybe a normal and healthy environment. And just just what we're seeing in the market now, as I said earlier, like we're starting to see the owner users are being a lot more interested in Strata product. Um, we're, we've got our project linked to 100 in Langley, and we've put two units under contract a couple of weeks ago, and the tour activity has gone way up, and there's a lot of interested buyers. I think the fact that there's some interest rate stability and that the path forward is interest rates down yeah. is, is making people more decisive about buy decisions. And yeah, with that being said, we're totally in in buy mode. Um, we we know that private capital is sitting on the sidelines and is is looking for the deals, but the deals haven't been there. The, the bid ask spread, as 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 you know better than anybody, has just been so wide and continues to be so wide. Well, I can I can echo. I, obviously, I agree with you and your sentiment with regards to rates. Probably won't go back to where they were. I think anyone that's buying something that's using either even pre-COVID numbers, never mind the, the the hellish free money we had during COVID. If, if your numbers work with those interest rates, I think you're lying to yourself. So that part, I 100% agree yeah, with you on. I totally. can tell you from a brokerage industry, we've seen a, just a massive ramp up over the past five or six months since rates started holding back in October-ish of last year, which I think it just goes to show to your point there, there's so much private capital on the sidelines waiting to come into the market and you got to be in the market to really understand what's going on. And I think for companies or REITs or individuals or whoever it is, if you kind of take a pause and sit out without having a, you know one toe in and maintaining communication, there's a lot of great opportunities going to pass you by because there's too many Absolutely. people that want to get into this market or who are actively in the market that are going to get those opportunities and those opportunities will be brought to those who are active, not so much those yeah. who are inactive. So that part, I agree with 
everything you said there and then some. Uh, you know, we talked before we were recording about the, maybe the different product lines and stuff like that that you guys offer at Astria. You guys are obviously building for yourselves. What other type of services do you guys offer maybe to, to clients out there? Yeah, so we really have four distinctive business lines within Astria and we don't have the balance sheet to say, hey, let's just sit idle for a year and a half or two years and you know we'll, we'll pay everybody and we don't do anything. That's not the luxury we have. So we had to get creative by necessity and I think that's been a really interesting piece of our, our business. So for business lines, we do speculative developments, whether those would be for lease or strata. We love the build to suit market. That's where our, my team is spending a lot of time on these days. And we're getting incredibly creative with the owner user community, right? Whether we're acting as sort of the middleman of marrying up a property with an owner user, coming up with creative deal structures uh, to make sure that the price point that they're buying the finished product at suits them. Yeah, that's been really interesting. The owner user market is really active still. You know, we track we track a lot of mandates, and you know, I can I can count off two million square feet of of owner user demand uh, pretty quickly, which is incredible to think about. In order to kind of strengthen the backbone of the Astria organization, we are in the process of putting together. It's it's not quite a fund, but a, a private vehicle to buy income producing properties. Yeah, uh, you know, we we really like BC class industrial that has value add to it or development upside. The strategy behind that is to acquire a portfolio that we can look to in 10, 15 years from now as redevelopment opportunities. I always say that um, if it's hard to buy real estate today, it's going to be even more difficult to buy it tomorrow because you know this market is already so tight. Yeah. And then the last business model that uh, we're working on that you know we're we've we've gotten some great traction on we're doing a lot of work is really a, a third party management model and this this all came from conversations originally with private landowners like two three acres where they said why do we why should we sell our land and incur huge capital gains today when we could develop it and build an income producing asset on it and build a legacy for our family yeah. And so we said, well, that's really interesting. You need the expertise to do that. And you know, we are creating a soup to nuts program for that, where we effectively become a landowner's partner. And we do every part of the development process from start to finish and hand over the key at the end of the day. And we know how to, how to develop real estate. We, we have a, a decent portfolio. So our experience in that field is really applicable, but we touch on every component of that process, right? We go in, we do the upfront due diligence to prove out what does the feasibility of their property look like? We build performance and cash flows. We put together a reporting process for them. We manage the development management. We do the accounting, the legal. We help with introducing them to the brokerage community, right? We help them with lease negotiations and building out an asset development, asset and property management process, and then really we turn over a key at the end of the day. And that's been it's been interesting because we started off with the you know, with the smaller private owners. And then we really quickly realized that there's a lot of institutional capital in Metro Vancouver that owns large pieces of property who don't have the resources on the ground. They don't have the relationships with some of the contractors. That's where Orion comes in very handy. They don't have the relationships with the municipalities. And so we said we should add that as a target group. And so we're we're probably looking at close to 100 acres of development land now for this business model across various groups in Metro Vancouver to really just help them facilitate the development and, and be the experience that they need and, and the resources and the firepower locally to execute on a project such, such as those that I mentioned. I'd be kind of as a, a final question here, be really curious to kind of get your thoughts on how is financing different now 
than maybe it was three or four years ago when you're looking at it from a development or even a value-add side of things in today's lending environment. How have you guys had to adapt? And what does a deal look like to you guys now on a finance side maybe versus what it looked like five years ago? Yeah. I mean, we're we're lucky that the industrial market is still very much preferred by the big banks. And so we are still seeing good appetite from, from lenders to be financiers of our projects. Uh, everybody just looks at it with a lot more detail these days. They scrutinize the performance a lot more than they did you know, five years ago. Very important these days, over five years ago, it's just the covenant of the borrower now. Um, just to make sure that there's sufficient firepower if something does go wrong. You know, we, um, we're in the process of financing our Canada Post deal in Kelowna. And it's one of those things where we have a, a, a zero carbon building, so it's green, and we have a tier one government tenant. And that's, uh, you know, the banks are all over that. And, and for us particularly, most of our projects that we have are, they're not huge loans that we require. And so from a risk perspective to the banks, it's not like they're lending out 100 or $200 million on a deal. We may be asking for 20 or 15 million bucks or 12 million bucks. And so they just get a lot more comfortable with these smaller amounts. But we've been, we've been seeing some great success. We are, we are a young company and we're doing work with some of the tier one lenders, which is, which is really great. And I think it speaks to the, the quality of developments that we produce. Obviously, construction financing and land financing has gotten a lot more expensive, yeah. uh, which, is, which is just tough to stomach. And knowing your schedule is more important than ever and being realistic about you know what your costs could be and and sort of the last piece to it, because I think there's a few developers in town these days who are who are facing similar challenges on on a project or two is you know if you complete the project and you're sitting on a twenty million dollar construction loan and you're only fifty percent sold, you now have to carry a you know a ten million dollar mortgage or so for however long it takes to sell the rest of the units, and that really starts eating into the profits so okay. Good to have a game plan with the banks and make sure that you're comfortable again with your schedule. But to recap, the the banks have been pretty good with industrial, and as I said, they're just they're scrutinizing developers more than they used to. Yeah, and you know a little bit more equity is required in deals deals most often now. But other than that, we've been we've been seeing some good success with them. Well, if you make money in today's lending environment, you're going to make that much more money as rates hopefully trend downwards over the next 24 months. Dave, we. Can't thank you enough for joining us and, and sort of diving into the business there. But before we let you go, we have a six-pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests. Do you have a few more minutes for us? I love it. Yeah, let's do it. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right. Favorite vacation spot? Ooh, that's a good one. Wow, I don't want to be super boring, but I got to say I love Palm Springs. Oh, there you go. But I had a <laughs> yeah. chance. To, I went to the, the desert or uh, Palm Desert for the first time ever this past year to attend a conference. It was awesome. Like I had, it was just absolutely awesome down there. Is there anywhere particular in Palm Springs you find yourself more often than not? Uh, no, and I, I don't go too often. I just really enjoy it. Then I should preface this: it's probably got something to do with my stage of life. Now I, I got a young son, so yep. it's just a really good, friendly family destination. If you know, if if I was just with my wife and we didn't have a kid, then it, it'd probably be somewhere exotic that I'd like to go to. 
Nice, nice. Next question up for you. A book recommendation for all of our listeners doesn't necessarily have to be real estate related, but it can be. I am currently halfway through a, a book called The Psychology of Money. Okay. Good and uh, really enjoy that really good sort of um, historic experience in it. And it's it's got like 10 or 10 or 15 chapters about, you know, wealth creation and and money and just how the psychology plays into it. And I, I think it's very applicable to to uh, to life and some really good lessons in it. You're not the first person that's recommended that book to me. I've heard it. Well, oh, I don't think we've had anyone else on the podcast recommend it just yet, but a couple other people in passing in the commercial real estate realm had also mentioned that book. So it's it seems to be a good one going around. Yeah. All right. Next next question. Favorite band or musician? This tells us the truth, Dave, about yes. So favorite oh. band, think think hard. I uh I like some old school music. I like the legends of music. And you know, I my wife is probably gonna laugh at me when I say this, but I'm like a huge Queen fan. Oh so nice. Yeah. I just think that's that's phenomenal music. The movie was exceptional and my uh my little my little boy seems to like them as well. So I'll go with Queen. Well, this will, this will lead me into my next question then. So it's Friday night. You got a babysitter at home. You guys are enjoying some beverages somewhere and you find yourself in a karaoke bar. What song are you singing? I'm hoping you're going to say Bohemian Rhapsody, but what song are you singing? Karaoke. Oh, I think I would do no justice singing any Queen song. So it might go into something a little different, but uh, Bohemian Rhapsody would be a good one. Yeah, maybe I'd give that a go because you got to test yourself. You got to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I like the fact that you're willing to put yourself in that in that position to try it. That's that's very good. Most people cop out on that question. They're like, oh, I'm horrible. I don't sing. But you're going to take it all the way to the finish line with Bohemian Rhapsody. I got a lot of respect for I got no, I got nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next question. You found yourself on death row. What's your last meal? My last meal would be, uh, has to be steak. Oh. I'm a huge steak lover. Mm. Yeah. Any particular restaurant you're getting that steak from? Well, if it's uh, local, um, I'd probably say uh, Elisa. It's oh, just nice. top top notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any side condiments? The cream corn for sure. Oh, nice. But I'm more like I like cooking it in my barbecue at home, and mm. you know, glass of red wine, some cream corn, and that makes me really happy. That sounds that sounds pretty. Not that I want you to die, yeah. but that sounds pretty good. <laughs> All right, Dave, last question up. A piece of advice for our listeners, maybe you're on the forefront of the real estate development side. A piece of advice for our listeners looking forward to 2024 who maybe want to enter the market that you guys are already very active in. What's a piece of advice you have for them? Maybe two pieces, but it's, uh, it's you know, be, be vigilant and be very conservative in your approach. I don't think we're through the thick of it yet. And as we know, things can turn in a hurry, but just have a have a game plan and have optionality if you're looking in, into project development. Like a lot of the things that we've done is we've always we always made sure we had a second exit option. Yep. Um, in projects, whether that's you know flipping the land or building a different product type, um, just to just to make sure you have some security there. Great advice. And uh, yeah, and the I think the other piece is just you know being uncomfortable is really good. Right? It just makes you grow. And uh, in this market, uh, it's really easy to get uncomfortable, but there's some great opportunity out there. Great advice. Well, it's funny you say that about the exit strategy. As somebody probably like a decade ago who was extremely successful in the commercial real estate realm, one piece of advice they gave me when you're buying property is always look at it, not with the current tenant, but the next tenant, and always look yeah. at your exit. Because in real estate, as much as we think everything's going to go to plan, nothing tends to always go perfect. So if you have that exit that works really well for you as a second exit, a second option just in case, and you're very profitable on your exit, 
you can never go wrong. Too many people, I think, get into real estate acquisitions and they have to have like a perfect scenario home run work to make their numbers work. And those people, unfortunately, never sort of find themselves on the right side of the deal. Dave, we appreciate you taking the time today. How can our listeners find out more about yourself and everything you guys have going on over there at the, at the company? You can follow us on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. We also have a website and I love to make myself available uh, to meet new people. So um, I think my email address is actually on the website. Reach out to me. Always happy to get together for a coffee or a beer and chat real estate. And yeah, just uh, we've got an open door policy. If you're out at Langley, pop by the office, introduce yourself, say hello, be happy to chat. I'd be careful of putting that out there because you guys have a beautiful office there right down the street from <laughs> our, our Langley office. And uh, the photos online look amazing and the lunch and learns look amazing. So you might find me popping in from time to time. We'd love that. Awesome, David. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And, Thanks, uh, David. Take care. That was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks, David. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. Our interview today with David Bash, President, Astria Properties. Great interview. Yeah. All right. And I know for those listeners that maybe hadn't heard of Astria before, great company on the forefront of development. Tons of exciting stuff. He did mention about Josh Gallardi, who's President of Orion. And Josh, if you're listening, we want to get you on the podcast here. I know we've been trying. He's a super busy guy. But Josh has got an incredible story. Incredible story. We'd love to have him on to share that all about becoming, starting Orion, I want to think it was like 2018, he said, and then like the fastest growing company like four or five years later. I think we have to have him in the studio. We got to get Josh on. Josh, if you're listening. Josh, if you're listening, call, invite. call us. But yeah, great interview with Dave. Astria, tremendous developer. A lot of exciting projects. Totally encourage people to go check that out. But one thing we were talking about before we had the interview today that you got really excited about, I didn't really know that. You're a big Usher fan. You know, I kind of forgot about Usher. Now, was it the Super Bowl that brought it back? Um, no, I went to Vegas late last year. Oh, and you saw him in Vegas? I didn't see him in Vegas, oh, okay. but I, I really regretted not seeing him in Vegas. And I thought, if he ever comes to Vancouver, I have to go. And and Corey, I know that you're very close to getting a box. So. I'm not getting a box for Usher. Are you kidding me? I'm not getting a box for Usher. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I, I saw the Super Bowl. I watched the end of the Super Bowl. I was really tuned into the Phoenix, uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which Nick Taylor, this golf tournament, which Nick Taylor won, who's Canadian, in extra holes. Okay. And then we flipped over to the Super Bowl, which I'm not going to lie. I was watching for Taylor Swift. I was really disappointed she was on the screen more often than not. Oh. But uh, uh, we watched that and then we saw the Usher halftime show, which I'm, you know what? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know if an R&B artist is the most like, let's ramp up the crowd. But then when he came out at the very end with Ludacris and Little John, now that was a party. Oh. That was great. And I think, remember, when you remember, and this just goes to show my age, was it last year or the year before when they had like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and oh. Eminem? Like that got the crowd so going, good. right? Or if you remember back when they had, remember there was Bruno Mars with like Beyonce a few years ago? Like that was good. I mean, I don't know about, you know... I guess the concern would be with this group if they if they did the halftime show at Super Bowl that they would have to have like a two or three hundred thousand seat arena to get them in. But if Nickelback no. did the halftime show, I could see like three hundred thousand people. Like talk about record news fest. News fest. No, no. Nickelback's coming to BC. Everyone's place. just looking at photographs. Nickel Boring. Oh, are you trying to drop a pun in there? <laughs> you trying to drop a pun in there, like photograph? <laughs> 
Oh, no. Is somebody looking at photographs? Is that what you're trying to do? Oh, my goodness. But they're coming. Be, they're, April 19th, BC Place. There you have it, folks. Nickelback. That's the end of our show. Nickelback. Corey, how can we get Please. a hold of you? All right. Okay, it's fine. But long story short, you want to go see Usher. I'm unfortunately not the guy to get you there. I don't know if I'll be at Usher or not, but for those who go on two nights of Usher coming to Rogers Arena. That's right. That's what I read. So hopefully if you go, hopefully see I'll there. live vicariously through you, but all I right. will be at Nickelback April 19th at BC Place. Uh, for all those who want to do commercial real estate, they can reach us at our head office in Vancouver anytime, 604-428-5255. They can send me an email, Corey at williamwright.ca. Or just visit our website, williamwright.ca. Sign up for the latest and greatest news. And Melissa, anyone who wants to jump headfirst into the competitive residential market that now offers a rescission period on every single offer you write, how can they get a hold of you? There you go. Or if you want to sell in this market, it's a great time to sell. You can call me, 778-869-4477. Or email me at melissa at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Great. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. Another great episode coming next week. Subscribe today. Thank you.